Hi everyone, and welcome to Clitastic Chronicles, a pleasure-positive podcast created by smile makers for people with a clitoris. I'm Cecile, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Jess. Dr. Jess runs a sexual health clinic here in Singapore. A general practitioner by training, she has developed a keen interest in females and sexual health. Her practice offers management of female health issues and bridges the gap between regular GPs and gynecologists and sexual health specialists. Today, we're clarifying a few pop culture's ideas on female sexuality. Are there different types of orgasms? What is really female ejaculation? Is there really a G-spot? On this and more, Dr. Jess works us through the current states of scientific knowledge. Let's get started. Hi, Dr. Jess. Thanks a lot for joining us at SmileMakers. Uh, today, we want to talk about what we call pleasure clarification. Basically, those topics where we read a lot of things in the media or even like in scientific studies, and we can get a bit confused about what's really what. Um, so those are things like the different types of orgasm, what is really female ejaculation, is there really a G-spot? If uh, we're having sex and we're not lubricating, does that mean that we are actually not turned on? So those are kind of like questions that we're getting at Smile Makers and for which we would like to have an educated answer. Uh, so thanks a lot for joining us and helping us answer those questions. No worries, Cecile. Okay, let's start with the first question about the different type of orgasm. We hear about vaginal orgasm, clitoral orgasm, breast orgasm, uh, orgasm with just the brain without even touching ourselves. Um, is there really different types of orgasm or does it always come back to having a response from the clitoris? Oh, there's definitely different types of orgasms and it doesn't mean that it has to boil down to having a response from the clitoris mm -hmm. and the clitoris doesn't always have to be the star of the show or the star of the night or the morning. Um, with different types of orgasms and as you were just mentioning it and if you realize a lot of them are body parts. Mm -hmm. So take for example you mentioned a vaginal orgasm, that's mm -hmm. a body part. Clitoral orgasm, clitoris is, an, is, is a body part as well. And you mentioned breasts, yeah. uh, that's a body part too. Now, brain is a little bit higher level, right? It involves mm -hmm. things like em emotions, thoughts, fantasies, the way you yeah. feel. Uh, so that's a higher level uh, type stuff. Now, uh, when when we look at it like that, and it involves these body parts. What it, what, what, how I simply see it is that to get an orgasm, if we stimulate this particular body part, it's probably easier to get there if we focus on those body parts, right? Yeah. And therefore, we then conclude that, hey, this I've had a clitoral orgasm. Mm. And it makes it suggestive that the clitoris was the only thing that was worked on that entire time to produce that orgasm. But in actuality, during intimacy, there are many, many, many things that are going on. There's kissing that's going on. There's things that are said that are going on. There's touches on the neck. That's how you feel about the person. But for some reason, the clitoris gets uh, the bulk of the attention. And that's because uh, it's probably the, the easiest way 
to then stimulate specific nerves. And the clitoris is very, very, very concentrated with nerves. So compared to other body parts, be it the breast or be it the vagina, that's one organ that has got so much of nerves concentrated there. So touching it in a very particular way, whichever way is suitable for you and everyone's different, will then generate an orgasm quite quickly if you desire it. So the clitoris seems to get the attention for for most of the orgasms, but it doesn't always have to translate that way. Take, for example, you mentioned brain orgasms. So you could have have a full-on fantasy being replayed in your head, Mm -hmm. you know, and you could be fully 100% in that moment, reliving that fantasy in your mind. And you realize, hey, with that fantasy, obviously your brain's going to translate that and send signals to various different parts of your body. And you will have a physical manifestation of these thoughts generated Mm -hmm. from your brain, a higher level center in your brain. And you might find that, you know, hey, you'll sweat a little bit more. Your nipples get a little bit more erected. you You see more dots around your areola you get this mm-hmm. pulsation around your vulva this sense of fullness there your clitoris might feel a little bit harder but that does not mean you've got a clitoral orgasm so you never touched your clitoris not once mm-hmm. so we often relate it back to hey this is a full-on brain orgasm yeah stimulated directly by thought alone without touch of any body part Amazing. and you get you you get a peak sense of pleasure that then gives you this orgasmic feeling where you felt for that brief moment you just had no realization of what's going on around you you were lifted off from reality and you had this super good experience and that then is your brain orgasm uh when we're talking about the specifics in terms of body parts it just means that they featured more in that intimate moment be it with yourself or be it with a partner it it was the highlight of uh of the intimacy that okay. then generated that particular orgasm okay touching that body part okay um the next question that uh, i want to ask you today is about the topic of female ejaculation because it's been featured a lot in media and i guess pornography and it has become kind of a myth uh that people don't always understand what it is exactly and if there's a difference between squirting, female ejaculation, and if there's like a physiological reality to it or if it's really like a social construct. Well, there's definitely a physiological basis to it. Um, Again, it boils down to our need to see evidence. And if somebody can perform an act like squirt, hey, it's quite phenomenal, isn't it? Like, you know, wow, something can, can, can in a pulsatile manner, in a projectile manner, be, be squirted or ejaculated mm. out of a certain orifice around our vulva. And yeah. when, when someone can do something that is not, not deemed, hey, very usual, we don't usually see it, it's given a special pedestal. Yeah. And it, you've gone and say, wow, that's a phenomenon. I want to try and see whether I can do that. But then that makes it a targeted thing. And then we have to target and aim for that, uh, for that goal. So only when I do that, then I know I've truly had an orgasm Mm. or then my partner will know I really had a good time. Mm. However, any amount of release of fluid, be it squirting, female ejaculation or something else may not necessarily always be a good thing. We know and we are well aware of women who are actually terrified 
by this process because they feel that they they wet the bed mm. and they get embarrassed by it and it becomes cumbersome because they have to change sheets mm. or they have to do a lot of cleanup mm. after after sex so this this sort of phenomenon may not be pleasurable for them and some women do have incontinence of urine so there's an actual issue going on with the urinary tract and the pelvic floor muscles that makes it difficult for them to to snapshot the bladder mm. and the sphincters there that holds the urine urine in mm. when they're having sexual stimulation and they feel very very strong pulsations mm. that the sphincter doesn't work and it allows leakages of urine now that's urine incontinence during sex mm. that is not a pleasant phenomenon for women mm. however you spoke about female ejaculation and mm. squirting i often don't understand uh why uh we have patients who are very concerned about finding out, hey, what's the difference? What did I do? Did I ejaculate? Did I squirt? Or did I leak urine? The main thing that they are trying to find out is, am I actually having leakages, urinary leakages? Because I don't want to be peeing during sex. That is embarrassing for me. That is cumbersome. Could I have an actual problem going on with my urine tract that I need to address? Whereas other women are looking to see, have they achieved this high pedestal female ejaculation? Now, female ejaculation uh, actually comes from glands. We all have glands around our vulva, mm-hmm. and uh, these are like your Bartholin glands. It sits a bit lower. Then you've got your skin glands, which are right beside. They're like little flankers of our urine hole, like little guard soldiers around our urine hole, mm-hmm. and they get activated, isn't it, when you're getting uh, aroused and uh, your body is responding. Uh, with uh, increased blood supply to your vulva and, and increased action from the glands and they start secreting juices. Sometimes they secrete a lot of juices that, that they squirt them out in, in a projectile manner okay. because there's a lot of pressure that's built up within them. But that doesn't mean that that's something that can be achieved by everyone because it depends on a couple of factors, what your glands are like. You know, Have they aged? Have they not aged? Uh, uh, what's the what's the health of the vulva? Is there a lot of blood supplying that area of your vulva? Mm-hmm. Do you have a condition of the vulva, or are you fully present in that moment during intercourse that you're willing to fully let go and allow and and take on the pulsations that you're receiving at your vulva, and you're not afraid of them, you're not worried about what might happen. That hey, I feel like I'm going to pee feeling. Mm-hmm. Some women are willing to let that go. And follow through that. Hey, I'm going to pee. Feeling, I think it's going to. I think I'm going to pee. And then the the ejaculation happens. Now, female ejaculation is purely juices secreted by the skin glands, which are right beside the urine tract. Squirting, okay. on the other hand, involves a very, very, very tiny amount of super diluted urine. So it mixes up with uh, liquids in the urine tract. And it contains a little bit of urine, like leftover urine within the tract, and that squirts out. Okay. Fact is, I don't really understand why we we have this need to you know establish what's the 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 big difference between the two. But it is a physiological phenomenon. It can happen in women. Women who don't have it can be can be trained in that way to learn to have it. But it's limited by the actual health of the vulva. What's going on around there? Do you have big glands? Do you have small glands? Uh, is there a lot of pressure build up to allow for that projectile squirting or that projectile ejaculation? Okay. Thanks a lot for this um, clarification. 
Um, the next question that I have is also around the area of the vulva and the vagina, and that's about the G-spot, because we hear about the G-spots in media, and we talk about G-spot vibrators, and when it comes to the science, then it becomes a bit more blur about if it actually exists, what it actually is. Uh, so can you help us understand better if there's some such a thing as a G-spot? Well, we, we still don't have a very good uh, conclusion whether there is still such a thing as uh, the G-spot. What we do understand is that there is such a thing as specific spots in the upper wall of the vagina and okay. it is different in different women depending on the distance within the vagina it is in, how deep it is in, okay. where it's stimulated there at a certain type of speed with a certain type of pressure, it creates a heightened sensation in women. And that's because these are areas with erectile tissue. They engorge with blood and they become very sensitive or very sensitized. So when touched, they produce a lot of signals up to the spine and up to the brain to be perceived as pleasure. Okay. Now, G-spot in itself, they've done many uh, sort of uh, work on cadavers, uh, um, bodies that have been analyzed uh, posthumously after these women have died, of course, and they have done uh, dissections, you know, to see where, where is this exact spot? There, there, is, there is one researcher who found these erectile tissue in these areas, and he was convinced that he's found the G-spot in women. Mm -hmm. However, this needs to be replicated consistently within mm -hmm. more and more and more cadavers in order for them to establish that, hey, this is an actual structure there and it is consistent in all women. Okay. But right now, the evidence we have is that, hey, no, it's not consistent in all women and where these erectile tissue might be differs between yeah. women. However, if you simply have an area and with intimacy, it's about what works for you. Yeah. It doesn't matter what works for somebody else, but what works for you. So the only way you're going to know whether hey, whether you have a G-spot uh, orgasm or whether you have uh, good sensations from G-spot stimulation or forget the G, you know, any other alphabet, you know, you can, you can literally name it whatever you want. G is just named after the person who discovered it, Grafenberg. So if there are other spots higher up within your, your top vaginal wall or to the side and you realize that when you press it like a certain way or you put a little bit more speed around the movement in that area and that gives you a sensation, they call it your own spot. That's your spot. So that's your spot where you, you know, you've got, you've got a good sensation from it. We don't have to chase the G-spot, that's, but that's just like a general guide. You know, hey, if you want to discover yourself, we know there's a special area around here yeah. that could work for you. Okay. Okay. Awesome. I really like that we could have our own spot and name it the way we yeah. want. That's a really exactly cool. like I could have a J spot and call it the J spot. That's my J spot, <laughs> and you can have a C spot. That's yeah. your C spot. <laughs> that works for you. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's a great idea. Um, the last question that I wanted to ask you for those pleasure clarification is the connection between like being turned on like being really like excited about um, the sexual uh, encounter that we're having and lubricating. Mm. Like, yeah. it, do we always lubricate if we are turned on or if we're not lubricating, does that mean that we are actually not turned on? God, I wish that was the case, that we would lubricate the exact way we want to every time we are turned on. 
Um, no, it just doesn't translate like that. And, you know, uh, sometimes we can be very aroused. We can really be feeling it. We're absolutely in the moment. But for some reason, our glands decide to take a break. You know, I'm on a holiday. I'm not going to work for you. You can be as turned on as you want. But the glands decide, look, dude, I'm on a holiday. I'm not going to work today. And that could rely on many factors, right? Like uh, it could rely on medications that you're taking. It could rely on uh, how hydrated you are on that day, uh, what amount of stress you were feeling earlier on in the day. Uh, and this can affect the response of the glands. Yeah. And uh, so arousal doesn't necessarily translate uh, to uh, the release of a lot of juices from our glands to make us very lubricated. And this is the misconception that we have. Uh, men often get very excited when their partners are wet. They go, oh, she's wet now. Yeah. So, you know, uh, she's definitely turned on or she's definitely, in, you know, at the peak of her arousal. So that's that's a very uh, huge misconception. And sometimes our bodies just don't work the way we want it to work. At other times, it works uh, in a way which is the exact reverse. So uh, there, are, there are a lot of women who, particularly post-delivery, they find that they get too wet. Okay. They, they lubricate uh, extensively. Okay. And uh, they, they find that the sex becomes very slippery and there's no friction, no grip on the penis and they're not satisfied with that. So we see the other end of the spectrum as well, where the lubrication comes in too quickly, too fast. And there's already a little bit of laxity because of vaginal delivery and your vagina never, ever returns perfectly back to its pre-pregnancy mm. state. So it's already got a bit of laxity there. And uh, it's it's easier for the glands to lubricate in those instances. So they might over-lubricate or they might lubricate to the level that you're unsatisfied with. And also because there's already laxity, so you're very reliant on a little bit of that dryness, like on the edge of dry, to create the grip. So when you lubricate through, you find that you don't, you lose that grip. Okay. And the penetrations are not perceived the way you want them to be perceived. And is it possible that you're lubricating even though you are not turned on? Yeah, you surely, you surely are lubricating even when you're not turned on because that's the natural, that's the natural function of these glands. They're not, they're not lubricating only to prepare for sex. Okay. They're not lubricating only to prepare for an entry of something. There are moments where, you know, and every woman would have experienced this. You're just jollily walking along your way and mm. then you find that, oh, I feel a little bit wet. I feel something see seeping through my underwear. Yeah. Like a little blob of liquid. Mm. You're not turned on, right? Yeah. But you feel natural secretions happening because lubrications, they're different types. You've got lubricants. There's constant discharge of liquid from your uterus through your cervix out into your vagina. Mm -hmm. And your vagina is not a vault that holds everything in. There's an opening. So yeah. over time, there will be some secretions that pour out. That's what we see as sometimes natural discharge on our, yeah. on our underwears. At other times, you get the lubrications from your Bartholin glands, which sit a little bit lower on your vulva. Then you get the lubrication from the skin glands, which surround your urine hole, which is your mm -hmm. urethra. Mm -hmm. So these glands are in constant motion. They're constantly working to keep the area lubricated because if they don't work and they cease working when you're not aroused, you are going to have one hell of a dry vulva. Mm, okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Dr. Jess, to answer all our questions. Uh, it's been very enlightening. Uh, and we hope to see you soon again for more on this. No worries, Cecile. Always very happy to chat with you. Thank you.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Clitastic Chronicles and found snippets of wisdom that you can apply to your own sexual health. If you like this podcast, share it around with your friends and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're getting your podcast from. This will help us make it easier to find. For more sex positivity, head to our website at smilemakerscollection.com. See you there.